Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. Before we begin today's show, we have a trailer from another great podcast. Hey there, this is Erica Kelly, host of the podcast Southern Fried True Crime. Each week, I take a look at a different Southern crime. Unlike any good gossip, I'm interested in anyone or anything. I cover contemporary and historical cases, and I love listener suggestions. Come join me as I explore the dark underbelly of the Deep South. I'm a one-woman show in a narrative format, kind of like sitting by the fire and listening to a story. So pull up a chair and subscribe if you're interested. I'd love to have you. Until then, y'all take care. Welcome back to Case Closed. I'm Charlie Spicer, your true crime guide. In our last episode, Hemi's trial ended with a guilty verdict. He'll live out the rest of his days behind bars. But this case isn't over. I've pointed out time and again these moments where blame shifts to Andrea, where she inadvertently becomes a target. All that comes back in the final stretches of this story. She's been a target in this case for a while. But now that Hemi has been sentenced, Andrea is front and center. We're going to start with Hemi's sentencing hearing. Andrea, you'll remember, wasn't in the courtroom. She was ejected for improper conduct with witnesses. Her lawyer gave a statement to the press, but that wasn't the only statement given post-sentencing. Andrea is grateful and relieved by the jury's guilty verdict and sentence. Nothing can bring back her husband, but it is reassuring to her that, after all of the noise and distractions surrounding this case, some measure of justice has been done for Rusty, it read in part. Others had plenty more to say. The entire truth has not been presented, Hemi's attorney Doug Peters told reporters. Hemi Newman was as good of a man who ever walked this earth until he met Andrea Snyderman. Andrea Snyderman should be charged with murder in the first degree, I think she preyed upon him and used him to commit the crime. Even Rusty's brother took shots at Andrea. We know she lied about her involvement with Newman, Stephen Snyderman said. We will have no peace until everyone involved in Rusty's death is brought to justice. It is clear to us that Andrea is covered in Rusty's blood, and there aren't enough rabbis in the world to wash that blood away. Hemi's trial ended on March 15, 2012, but another one is imminent, and it will start in an unlikely place. In the years since Rusty's murder, two people have been growing more and more frustrated with Andrea, Donald and Marilyn Snyderman, Rusty's parents. They want to see their grandchildren, Ian and Sophia, but they claim Andrea has been sequestering them. Right after Hemi's conviction, Donald and Marilyn made their frustrations public. They sue Andrea for visitation. They allege that Andrea has refused to let them regularly see their grandchildren. They also bring up the possibility of taking full custody. 
Andrea responds with claims that both Donald and Marilyn have seen their grandchildren, in person and via Skype. Andrea's lawyer says that she is willing to schedule more visits. The statement is brief. Andrea feels it's better for the children not to discuss this matter publicly. Rusty's relatives truly feel Andrea had something to do with the murder and that she is now covering up that fact. They blast her in the media, adding a publicity campaign onto the legal pressure. Andrea responds sharply. In a blistering response to her in-law's visitation petition, Andrea's lawyers accused Donald and Marilyn Snyderman of litigation strategy to see the kids and questioned the couple's true feelings about their grandchildren. Blasting Rusty's parents for their statements to the press, Andrea's papers said, Clearly, that was not in the best interests of the children for their grandparents and uncle to publicly make such terrible accusations about their mother. Two weeks later, in early May 2012, the public squabbling over the children ended when the two sides reached an agreement. The deal offered only a momentary respite. About two weeks later, Rusty's brother filed a wrongful death lawsuit against her, pinning the blame for Rusty's murder on Andrea. The lawsuit alleged that Andrea utilized her illicit relationship with Hemi to manipulate and influence him to attempt to murder Rusty Snyderman. Andrea knew that Hemi intended to kill her husband, the lawsuit alleged, and actively and knowingly participated in the murder and the planning of the murder. Andrea didn't let this go unchallenged. In her biggest move yet, she recruited a heavy-hitting legal team led by J. Tom Morgan, a former DeKalb County District Attorney, and a lineup of some of Atlanta's best-known criminal defense lawyers. We categorically deny each and every one of the allegations in the complaint filed today, her new legal team said in a statement. We are looking forward to a vigorous and complete defense to ensure that Andrea is fully exonerated of these false accusations. As the civil litigation ground on, the DeKalb County District Attorney's Office had finally resolved the question of whether it had enough evidence against Andrea. At 10.30 a.m. on Thursday, August 2nd, on a muggy Georgia morning, armed DA investigators and deputies from Putnam County converged on Andrea's parents' house on Blue Heron Drive. With her children in the house, Andrea was arrested, handcuffed, and hauled off in a police car to jail. She did not resist. A grand jury had handed down a 19-count indictment. The charges included malice murder, criminal attempt to commit murder, insurance fraud, perjury, and making false statements to authorities. By noon, she arrived at the DeKalb County Jail. Andrea was arrested at her own home while her children watched. A SWAT team was deployed to do so, even though her lawyer, Tom Morgan, had promised he would turn her in to authorities if she was indicted. Morgan said Andrea was in a state of shock after the arrest. That was the point. Clearly, this was a power move, revenge for all of the times Andrea didn't speak to police, didn't cooperate, didn't act the part on stand. But for all the counts in the indictment, and despite the big show of force in her arrest, the actual evidence against Andrea was scarce. Sure, there was evidence, but most of it was the same evidence used against Hemi. The proof that Andrea somehow assisted was just not there. There was no evidence in all the emails and texts that Andrea wanted Rusty dead or that she knew Hemi was going to commit murder. 
The only person who could testify that she knew was Hemi. But the indictment didn't suggest that he was going to talk. And if he did talk, surely his insanity would make him an unreliable witness. So let's pick up on August 21, 2012, Andrea's 19th day in jail. She appears for her bond hearing. After 19 days in jail, Andrea Snyderman appeared before Judge Adams for a bond hearing on August 21, 2012. Her attorneys called a series of witnesses to show that Andrea had strong ties to the community and family and would not jump bond. After hearing arguments, Judge Adams agreed to spring Andrea on a $500,000 bond with a number of restrictions, the strictest of which was that she had to remain under house arrest with her parents. She had to wear an electronic ankle bracelet that would alert authorities if she went outside the boundaries of her parents' home in Roswell. The only time she could leave was to see the doctor or her attorneys. She could visit her parents, brother, sister-in-law, children, and rabbi, but could have no contact with any potential witnesses. This restriction on seeing any witnesses is reminiscent of Andrea being removed from the courtroom during the trial. Two days later, on Thursday, August 23rd, her attorneys delivered a $250,000 cashier's check to the court. Another condition was that half the bail had to be put up in cash. She raised the money, even though as part of her arrest, the prosecution had frozen many of her assets, including the $2 million life insurance payout after Rusty's murder. In the end, Andrea did not run away and did not try to intimidate any witnesses. She stayed and fought against the prosecution's murder case, against Rusty's brother, who continued to press his wrongful death lawsuit. She made court appearances and never wavered from declaring her innocence, though always expressing herself publicly through her attorneys. Andrea has never granted a media interview to this day. She would fight for more freedom. Soon, her bail conditions would be loosened to allow her to attend Jewish services, including Yom Kippur in September, Sukkah services in October, and the lighting of the first candle for Hanukkah in December. All the while, questions mounted about whether prosecutors had overreached. In October, prosecutors formally turned over their evidence to the defense. At first look, it appeared intimidating. 9,233 pages, 91 CDs of interviews, and a number of other video and audio recordings. But a closer examination showed that it was almost the exact same evidence prosecutors had used a year earlier against Hemi. There were the same witnesses, the same emails, the same phone records. The prosecution arguably could build a case that Andrea had an affair with a man who later killed her husband, but nowhere did it appear they had any direct evidence that she'd ordered Rusty killed or even wanted him dead. Nor was there anything between them suggesting they talked about the murder afterward. The prosecution case appeared to hinge on Andrea's behavior after the murder, her alleged lies about an affair, her apparent knowledge of the means of her husband's murder before it was officially revealed, and her demeanor on the witness stand at Hemi's trial. It could be argued she possessed a consciousness of guilt, but it was all circumstantial, a rickety case that Andrea's top-flight defense team savored attacking. I've mentioned this before, but Andrea's behavior in the moments after the murder strongly resemble the symptoms of shock, and her behavior during the trial could be interpreted as the result of a guilty conscience. 
but it could also be interpreted as the reactions of a woman who has lost her husband and is being implicated in his murder. There's a viciousness toward Andrea that members of the police, the press, even Rusty's family keep resorting to. In November of 2012, that viciousness comes to a head with a man named Joseph Dell. In November 2012, the case took a strange twist when Stephen Snyderman's attorneys suggested as part of the wrongful death lawsuit that Andrea had begun a relationship with a man named Joseph Dell. Dell was among the many who had come to Andrea's aid since Hemi's trial, voicing their solidarity on a blog called Friends of Andrea, a forum to both support her and rip into the DA's office. According to jailhouse phone logs, Andrea had called her parents 55 times and Dell 58 times. Recorded by the jail, one of the calls had Andrea asking Dell to move in with her parents, whom Dell called mom and dad. On the day of Andrea's indictment, Dell called her and is heard crying and professing his love for defendant Snyderman, according to the court papers. This bold, romantic gesture is met by a defendant, who is apparently aware of the recording, with a response eerily similar to her handling of Newman. I do not know what to say, the filing says. The question soon arose over how long the alleged relationship had gone on. Andrea's lawyers in the wrongful death case strongly denied that anything involving Dell had a role in Rusty's murder. Andrea's civil lawyer, Mark Trigg, denounced that suggestion as preposterous and contended that Stephen Snyderman's attorney lodged it to both harass Andrea and to try to get Hemi to turn on Andrea. The issue immediately spilled into the criminal case. It arose at a hearing that had been intended to focus on a completely different issue. Andrea had sought permission to leave house arrest to visit Rusty's grave on November 18, 2012, the second anniversary of his murder, for Yartzeit, the Jewish observance of the death of somebody close. At the last minute, she withdrew the request, fearing an invasion of reporters and TV crews. Instead, the hearing turned to the revelations from the civil case, with prosecutors suggesting that it was another potential motive for murder. Now, prosecutors expanded their case from an alleged love triangle to something more complicated and sinister. Evidence is starting to come up that might show that it was not for Mr. Newman to be with the defendant, but for someone else, Prosecutor Don Geary told Judge Adams at a subsequent hearing in the criminal trial. Mr. Dell might be that someone else. At the very least, the prosecution said, Dell was a potential witness at trial. And under the terms of Andrea's bond, she was not to have any contact with any witnesses while under house arrest. Geary sought to have all contact between Andrea and Dell cease immediately. This is the viciousness I wanted to point out. By all accounts, Joseph Dell came into Andrea's life after Rusty, after Hemi, after the murder. And the prosecution doesn't have evidence to prove that he was involved at all. But by claiming he might have been around before the murder and that they might have to call him as a witness means Andrea can't have contact with him. The prosecution has to know this, and it's another way they punish her for her attitude during the trial. It was a hardball tactic, taking on Andrea not just legally, but personally. 
If granted, it would leave Andrea more isolated. To suggest Rusty died because of this relationship was incredible on its face, said one of her criminal lawyers, Thomas Clegg, and has absolutely no bearing on any issue in this particular case. Clegg, however, tiptoed around whether Andrea and Dell had a romance, saying the exact status of their relationship is best described as to be determined. Clegg portrayed Dell as something of a domestic helper. To add Dell to the witness list and therefore remove him from Andrea's life would cost her somebody to help pick up her children and care for them while she remained under house arrest. Although Dell had apparently been in court with Andrea, few took notice of him and little was known about him until the court filing. On the Friends of Andrea website, Dell described his relationship with Andrea. I hardly knew Andrea before her husband was murdered, but I have gotten to know her and her family as an extension of my own, Dell wrote on September 28th. About a week and a half after the hearing, on November 26, 2012, Judge Adams issued a written ruling. The court hereby denies defendant's motion and further orders that the defendant have no contact with the witness Joseph Dell. Within days, the defense fought back asking the judge again to remove Dell from the witness list, arguing that there was no evidence Andrea and Dell had a relationship before Rusty's murder, the defense called the matter irrelevant and asked the judge to bar the state from bringing it up in court before a jury. The request came in a sweeping motion filed in early December 2012 to throw out all the charges against Andrea. Describing the indictment as ambiguous and confusing, the defense said it fails to spell out what act Snyderman committed to warrant a murder charge. This represented Andrea's biggest counteroffensive since police first began to wonder whether she had anything to do with Rusty's murder. It was accompanied by an aggressive publicity move. Although she again stayed away from reporters, Andrea's camp marched out a series of surrogates, while Andrea had remained close to some of her friends from before the murder, Tammy Parker among them, she had been joined by a growing circle of supporters drawn to her during and after the trial, connected via the Friends of Andrea website. Among them were a couple named Ryan and Elizabeth Stansbury, who were at the forefront of Andrea's PR campaign that included interviews on 48 Hours and in the local media. I think anybody who knows her for more than five minutes realizes that she didn't do this, Ryan Stansbury told WSB-TV the second week of December 2012. It's been very difficult for her, for both she and her family. His wife added, I think it's been a travesty that people are starting to show empathy to the villain, the murderer, the one that orchestrated this all on his own, and that's Hemi Newman. The case forced people to take sides, between Andrea and Rusty's family. Andrea's defense team sent multiple people into the press to talk on her behalf. But there were other things happening in the background. In February of 2013, Andrea's lawyer once again pushed to have Joseph Dell removed from the witness list. DA Robert James, the same DA who led Hemi's trial, admitted to not contacting Dell. This is the first sign that the prosecution's case might not be shaping up the way they had hoped. Is there or isn't there a case against Andrea? Listen for Judge Adams' decision regarding Joseph Dell. Not only did the judge rule that Andrea would be allowed to converse again with Joseph Dell, but buzz began building that the prosecution's case was crumbling. 
Twice after Andrea was originally charged, the prosecution had to go back to the grand jury for new indictments, tweaking the lineup of counts. The essence of the case remained the same, that Andrea allegedly had something to do with Rusty's murder and then lied to authorities, but the tinkering with the charges sent a message of a lack of certainty on the prosecution's part. As the trial grew near, the situation grew worse for the state. The evidence James wanted simply never arrived, and in late July, the word had gotten out. Local media outlets reported that the DA was planning to drop the most serious charge against Andrea, that of murder. With a gag order imposed, neither side could confirm or deny the reports. This set the stage for a critical pretrial hearing where the prosecution would have to disclose its intentions. The pretrial hearing is indeed critical. There would be two motions discussed. We've already heard rumors of one. The first motion dealt with Melanie White. The defense thought she would be too prejudicial and therefore should be barred from testifying. The second motion involved the indictments against Andrea. When Judge Adams reached this point in the pretrial, the defense asked for a session at the sidebar. Lawyers from both sides got together and animatedly talked under the sound of static in the courtroom. Andrea sat still, waiting patiently. After the break, we hear the outcome of that discussion. Today's episode is supported by Care Of, a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized for your specific health needs. Just take their fun online quiz and answer some questions about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle. In just five minutes, Care Of will put together a personalized plan with your scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. Each month, you'll receive your box of individually wrapped daily packets made from compostable plant-based film. So your vitamins are kept fresh and they're better for the environment. And now they even offer protein powder in convenient on-the-go packets too. Are you stressed from thinking about the details of this case like I am? Care of lets you be your best, most energized self. I love it and so will you. For 25% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code CASECLOSED. That's TakeCareOf.com, promo code CASECLOSED, for 25% off your first order. Case Closed is supported by Best Fiends, the five-star rated mobile puzzle game. Discover the world of Best Fiends and its cute characters in this fiendishly fun, free-to-download mobile puzzle game. Best Fiends is a totally different puzzle experience. Solve thousands of fun puzzles and collect cute characters with an epic storyline that will keep you engaged the whole time. There are thousands of hours of gameplay that are easy to learn but difficult to master. The challenging levels will require you to use your brain. It's the perfect casual game to play alone or with family and friends, no matter what their age. You can play offline anywhere. Perfect when you want to squeeze in another level on the go or play on a plane or on the subway. Solve thousands of fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters on Best Fiends, the five-star rated mobile game on the Apple App Store and Google Play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Best Fiends, like friends without the R. Best Fiends. We're back in court, where lawyers from both sides are discussing the indictments against Andrea with the judge. 
Once they were back on the record, the state asked to remove counts one, two, and three of the indictment. Mr. James, the judge said, interrupting him, the way it's listed is count one is malice of murder, count two is felony murder, and count three is aggravated assault? James stated that, after we received the second batch of discovery, we, the state, went back and re-interviewed most, if not all of our witnesses in this case, he said. I have an ethical obligation not to seek convictions, but to seek justice, and I believe it would be unjust and unethical for the DA's office, for the state, for the district attorney of this county to go forward with a charge that I am not 100% sure someone is guilty of. Therefore, the DA was dropping the murder charge against Andrea. Defense attorney Thomas Clegg couldn't disagree, but took a swipe anyway. There is no smoking gun in there leading anyone to conclude, wow, looking at this, all of a sudden I can say they don't have a murder case, said Clegg. I believe they have known all along they did not have a murder case. Be that as it may, I welcome at this time Mr. James's admission that he does not have the degree of certainty necessary to go forward with a prosecution for these counts. So I have no objection to the dismissal of counts one, two, and three. The judge would seem taken aback by the last-minute move and would call a recess without ruling. Afterward, a clearly rattled Robert James returns to the lectern. Your Honor, I'll make this very brief, he said. What I was going to say, I won't say, but what I will say is I've been prosecuting cases for 14 years. I have never, as an assistant DA, as solicitor, and now as the elected district attorney, I have never indicted a case where, based on the evidence I had in front of me, I did not believe that an individual was guilty of the charges that I was indicting them for. That is why I'm before the court, he continued. That is why I made this motion. I am standing before the court, asking for the court to dismiss right before the trial. By the end of the day, despite his reservations, Judge Adams granted the prosecution's request. The Andrea Snyderman murder trial suddenly became the Andrea Snyderman perjury trial. A twist to the twist. D.A. Robert James's admission that the evidence was shoddy is also an admission that evidence Andrea was involved in the murder was just not there. It's unclear why the prosecution waited until three days before the trial to make this announcement. Did they expect more evidence to appear? Did pressure against Andrea in the press make them worry to admit this crucial change? We don't know and we'll never know the answers to these questions. So let's jump ahead three days. It's August 5th, 2013, the first day of Andrea's trial. Opening statements began on a steamy southern morning, the cicadas buzzing in the trees outside the DeKalb County Courthouse. The trial had the feel of an afterthought. The national media left the story to the locals. D.A. Robert James handed off opening statements to a newly promoted deputy, Kelly Hill, though he sat in court throughout the trial. The jury that had been selected would not be tasked with deciding whether Andrea Snyderman should be held accountable for the cold-blooded murder of her husband, but for not telling the whole truth to police and at Hemi's trial. She still faced decades in prison on the counts, which carried five-year penalties, but the defense was emboldened. Andrea was so confident that she turned down a last-minute plea deal, reportedly one year in prison. 
It was up to DeKalb Assistant District Attorney Hill to remind everybody that there was still unfinished business. Over the next six days, the prosecution laid out a meticulous case, alternating clips of Andrea's courtroom testimony and police interviews with live witnesses. Each targeted statement came with a rebuke on the witness stand. Showing Andrea's trial statements out of order and in soundbite form stripped them of their emotional punch. Jurors at Andrea's trial didn't experience the same surprise and shock of her slow build to anger and sarcasm. But the lies piled up all the same, the state argued, as it sought to prove the 13 counts against Andrea. Prosecutors offered what it called evidence she hindered the apprehension of a criminal by deleting text messages and concealing her relationship with Hemi. They argued that she covered up her knowledge her boss had killed Rusty, using as evidence, among other things, their phone calls around the time of the murder. She concealed material facts, the state argued, by lying to police about a romance with Hemi, introducing their travel records, emails, and testimony from the Pulse bartender and others. And prosecutors presented evidence she perjured herself at Hemi's trial by allegedly lying again about many of those same things on the witness stand. Testimony ended August 15th, with Andrea telling the judge that she would not take the stand in her own defense, clearing the way for summations. After spending much of the trial as a second-chair lawyer handling the occasional witness, D.A. Robert James, last seen explaining himself, was back in form. You're a liar, he said directly at Andrea during closing arguments as she looked away. She's a manipulator. She's a deceiver, he told the jury. Clegg wrapped up the defense case with the same stance as opening statements, conceding nothing. Andrea, he said, was a victim who had done absolutely nothing wrong. The jury retired that Friday to begin deliberations, returning after a weekend break, and by lunchtime Monday, had a verdict. Judge Adams brought the jury into the courtroom. Sitting between Morgan and Clegg at the defense table, Andrea cast her eyes down, shooting nervous glances in the forewoman's direction. We, the jury, find the defendant, Andrea Snyderman, count one, hindering the apprehension of a criminal, she began, guilty. Andrea's head dropped, and she stared at the table. On it went, guilty on a total of nine counts, not guilty on four. Guilty on nine counts. Let's move to the next day with sentencing. Andrea walked into the courtroom, not as a civilian, but a criminal. She wore an orange prison jumpsuit. On the back, DeKalb County Jail was stenciled in black. Judge Adams burst into the courtroom and slammed the door behind him. Family and friends filled the room. Rusty's brother and sister-in-law were there, as were her parents. Andrea's parents and a number of friends sat on the other side of the courtroom. After reviewing papers in front of him, the judge said, Mrs. Snyderman, would you stand, please, with your lawyers? She and three lawyers stood. Mrs. Snyderman, a jury has returned verdicts, and as a result of the jury verdicts, I have a responsibility to impose a sentence. He paused. As to count one, he said, I will sentence you to five years. As to count two, five years. As to count three, five years. As to count six, five years. As to count eight, five years. It kept going five years for each guilty count. But at the end, he said, 
I will give you credit for the time you have been in custody, and also the time you have served under house arrest. He also did not run the terms back to back. This will be five years to serve on each count. I will render them concurrently. I'm not going to run them consecutively. I'm going to run them concurrently. He looked at Andrea. Any questions, ma'am? Andrea, standing stone-faced, had none. At this point in time, I will have you taken into custody. She was handcuffed behind her back and led out of the courtroom. Andrea's time in jail won't be long, but still she is going to jail. Hemi and Andrea both convicted. One a cold-blooded killer, the other something a bit more obscure. Both lives upended by desire. Next episode, we'll wrap up Loose Ends. We visit Andrea in jail. We finish this story. Stick around for the final installment of Case Closed. Case Closed is a production of Macmillan Podcasts. This season is based on the book Crazy for You by Michael Fleeman. Get the book or audiobook using the link in our show notes. The show is produced by Becky Celestina with help from Sarah Grill and Alyssa Martino. We also want to thank Michael Fleeman. Can't wait to hear what really happened to Rusty Snyderman? Hear all of this season right now on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash caseclosed and use code CLOSED to start your free trial. I'm Charlie Spicer. Thanks so much for listening. We're nearing the end of this season of Case Closed, but that doesn't have to be the end of the story. You can learn even more juicy details about the case of Rusty Snyderman's murder from the book this season is based on, Crazy for You by Michael Fleeman. It's full of familiar details from the podcast, plus extra parts of the story we didn't include here. Crazy for You by Michael Fleeman is available in paperback and digital audio, and you can buy it wherever books are sold. Hot off the press from Maybelline, New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP.